Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Welcome to the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Donnie. Yo. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? And this is our latest cannon fodder movie selection in the cannon fodder series. Now, the whole premise of cannon fodder is we go through, not in any kind of order, just randomly go through the cannon films library, uh, the 80s stalwart of awesome 80s movies. <laughs> the, main, the main studio that we all grew up and loved. Canon films. Um, now you know. I'm sure eventually we'll get to some that say like the pre Golden Globus era canon. You know, Dewey Friedland canon like in the 60s and 70s, uh, and then even after uh, Golden Globus split up, you know, they, they survived into the 90s. I'm sure we'll get to some of that eventually. But our main focus is that core decade of the of basically pretty much straight up from 1980 to 1989. And what better way? Well, I mean, I guess there there probably is better ways. But this is a very good way to represent all that was over the top, crazy, corny, awesome about Canon Films than with this selection of Ninja 3, The Domination, right, Smokes? Oh yeah, yeah, this is 1984. When it came out, so that you got you got Canon about to really, I mean, had hitting their peak. Yeah, you're entering so the peak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, as far as ninja movies, they'd already done what two prior, and we'll get into that as far as the title of this movie, why it's called Ninja Three, and to my surprise, I think uh, a lot of people haven't seen this movie from that era because of that titling. I think so. Yeah, we can get into that a little later. But before we dive in, we want to remind you to go check out aaspookshow.com. That's the center of the Spook Show universe, as we like to say. And from there, you can uh, check out our YouTube channel. We have series such as Hammer Horror, In Order, Video Vortex, Grindhouse Gutter, Spook Show Rewind, all monthly series that we do over there. So we encourage you to check that out. You can also access our Patreon, patreon.com slash aaspookshow, where every month you're guaranteed to get a video mini-sode, including the Library of the Professor segment. And of course, Crapster Peace Theater. Uh, we're as of this recording, and of course, this comes out on May first. So we can't tell you what won the poll because the polls literally closed last night for the month of April for what we're going to watch this month. All we can tell you is that that movie will come out on May twenty sixth, so the Friday before Memorial Day. That is when the next edition of Crapster Peace Theater comes out, and hopefully. You chose wisely. I mean, because there were four, <laughs> there were four steaming turds on that list, like there always is. Son of the Mask, The Wicker Man, uh, Fart the Movie. Um, I, I'm, I'm completely blanking uh, on what the fourth choice was, but yeah, all of uh, them. Gotti. Gotti, yeah, yeah, Gotti. Yeah. All of them, all of them suck. But that's the that's the theme of Crafts Peace Theaters that we know they're turds. It's just Thing we is, have to decide the varying degrees of turd, right? 
I have to say this. It's it's not it's not so much the movies themselves. Yeah, it's <laughs> these these movies suck. Yeah. But it's how you're it's how you announce them. It's like it's, it's you're, dis- you're such disgust. Yeah. For, for what we have, for what you put us through. And, so, and, and I'm trying to, I try to bring it home for everybody to help you understand how much of a, a struggle it is to do these. So we, please, we encourage you to go to patreon.com slash a spook show. If you, if you choose one of these movies, then go subscribe to our pay, our Patreon. So, we're vindicated at least on some <laughs> level as to why we have to l- watch this and you can listen to us tear them, tear them apart over on Patreon. So, uh, without any further build up, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Ninja three, the domination. He is the most feared and powerful warrior. A ninja who breaks from ancient tradition and explodes onto America. His soul possesses the body of an innocent woman and transforms her into a lethal assassin. superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja 3, The Domination. All right, there you go. That's the trailer for that. So, as usual, we have uh, our latest submission in the Canon Chronicle series from Canon Film Guide author, Volume 1 and Volume 2, author Austin Trunick. So, without any further ado... Canon Chronicles with Austin Trunick. Hello, Spook Show listeners. Austin Trunick here, author of the Canon Film Guide books, to talk about 1984's Ninja 3 The Domination, a movie that truly speaks for itself if any movie ever has. This film stars Lucinda Dickey as a telephone lineman slash aerobics instructor who has the unfortunate luck of being possessed by the spirit of an evil ninja who has a vendetta out against the Phoenix, Arizona Police Department. This is the rare movie that manages to combine elements of ninja movies, Flashdance, Poltergeist, and The Exorcist, three out of four of which had a lot of buzz in late 1983 when the movie was conceived. It is the third movie in canon's original ninja trilogy, which began with 1981's Enter the Ninja and continued into Revenge of the Ninja in 1983. For the listeners at home who might be worried about not having seen the first two films in this trilogy, you don't need to worry. There are only two elements that link these movies. The first being the presence of the ultimate screen ninja, Shokasugi, who plays an altogether different shinobi in each of the three films. The other is the idea that only a ninja can kill a ninja, a phrase that you'll become very familiar with if you watch more than one canon ninja movie. 
Now, if anyone recognizes Ninja 3's star, Lucinda Dickey, it's probably from Breakin' or Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo, Cannon's two breakdancing movies, which were also released in 1984. Ninja 3 was actually filmed first, but released in between those two, meaning that over the course of seven months in 1984, Lucinda Dickey played the lead in three different Canon theatrical releases. How's that for star power? Now, Ninja 3 is pretty damn awesome. I usually save my ratings for the end of these recordings, but there's no use in beating around the bush here. I'm going to give Ninja 3 the domination 277 Ninja Stars out of 5. If that's too many, or if it's going to break the All-American Spook Show algorithm, I give the guys permission to adjust that rating as they see fit, but I will say it here. 277 stars out of 5. That's grading on the conservative end of the ratings curve. For me. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, it's a treat. I'm jealous. This film's pretty wacky, it leaps all over the place, it'll ensure that you never look at another bottle of V8 juice the same way again. The first 20 minutes of the movie are balls-to-the-wall action, with stunt coordinator Stephen Lambert deserving a ridiculous amount of credit for not only designing the stunts, but performing a large amount of them himself. That guy worked his ass off and put his life on the line to make this movie, all while hiding behind a ninja mask or wearing a flash dance wig. Now, I will be up front here and admit that this isn't actually my favorite of the Ninja Trilogy. That would be 1983's Revenge of the Ninja, which is probably a 459 star out of 5 star rated movie. But this one's up there. Like I said before, the first 20 minutes alone, which are nothing but a ninja going ape shit on a golf course without really much explanation at all, are, are better than the entire runtime of most movies. And so with that, I'm going to step aside and let the Spook Show fellas here share their thoughts, and I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say. And until next time, listeners, Austin Trunick signing out. I think that was a good uh, appetizer for what's about to go down here. Oh, yeah. um, I'm going to speak for myself and say that this is the first time I've ever watched this movie. Same. What, I, Smoke, yeah. I know for you, you've seen it 145 times, and... You've got the po- you've got the poster in the background, right? Yeah, I do have the poster. Unfortunately, I think I, I traded it out with the mutilator poster right now. But yeah, it oh, has. Okay. And this isn't this is our audio podcast. So we're not doing video for Canon yeah, Chronicles, yeah. but uh, but yeah, sometimes in our video ones, you'll see the Ninja Three poster behind. I think it even has spot. come up before, like because you had it back there. It's it, you know yeah. we talked about it br- at least briefly, but yeah, whole- I'm pretty sure I've done it on the Library of the Professor segment for uh for uh Patreon. Pretty sure I have. It wouldn't surprise me, but wow. That's all I can say about this movie. Holy shit. Yeah, that's uh, what that's one of the points I was gonna bring up earlier when I mentioned in the title, the beginning, you know, when we introed the show. Uh, some people haven't seen it because they didn't realize that there wasn't really a ninja one and a ninja two. There are, yeah. but they're not titled that. And, <laughs> There's and not ninja two probably, the and, and for me, that was probably the reason why I kind of avoided it because I, I you know, I admittedly I, we've talked about it before, I'm I'm somewhat of a completionist. So like, yeah. I'll see like Ninja Three. Where's the first two? I don't see them. Fuck it, I'm not watching it because I don't want to. You know, I don't want to walk in three Miss movies out. in. You know, so like, then it just kind of got brushed yeah. on the rug and then never, never swung back around to watch it. So, um, yeah, I'm. We'll, we'll save our ratings for the end, like we always do. But I'm glad I finally watched it. I'll say that. <laughs> I will say that yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, it's uh, bonkers. <laughs> yeah, in a good way. To say the least. To say the least. Um, but before we get into it, I know we're all itching to, uh, to get into it. We'll go ahead and th- go through some of the background information real fast. I found an alternate, two alternate titles actually for this movie. It was also known as Commando Ninja. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's the French TV title, 
which uh, that is awesome. Not having commandos at all in it, but like, yeah, well, still, that's an awesome '80s title, right? Commando that Ninja. Awesome. That yeah. brings that it, like brings that it all together. The title. I don't know if that was the title of any other movie, but it should have been. Maybe there's a Godfrey Ho movie that I haven't come across called Commando Ninja. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then in Italy, this movie is known as Trancers. I don't know where. Which is odd because there already is a Trancers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but the movie went on to debut May 11th, 1984. At the Cannes Film Market, and that which you know, uh, uh, Cannes Films were notorious for shopping you know forty movies at once at the Cannes Film Market. Uh, but the movie, yeah, was, once they hadn't been, uh, thought up at all yet, they just had a title for and uh, yeah. said so and so actor was going to be in it. So yeah, they, they would get fun. they would get a director and or a big named actor attached to it, and then that's all they had. <laughs> it's ingenious. It worked yeah, a lot well, of times. It, it worked. For the, <laughs> yeah, for the most part, it did work for them back then. Uh, but it was finally released September 14th, 1984, of course, produced by Golden Globus, the Canon Group, and distributed by MGM UA Entertainment Company. This movie's rated R. If you've ever seen it, you know you know why. <laughs> Total runtime of one hour and 32 minutes, and over on IMDb, it's listed as an action slash fantasy slash thriller. So I think that's appropriate. Uh, I'm going to hit pause right here, and and since I failed to mention it off the top, we are a spoiler-filled podcast, so for whatever reason, you have not seen Ninja 3 The Domination, like me. I didn't watch it until now. And you Same. want to at some point? Pause now, because we're going to spoil the hell out of it from this point forward, more than likely, once we get through some of this background information. But I just thought of that before we get deep. You should, uh, fair warning, spoiler alert. Uh, this movie was filmed in... Phoenix, Glendale, Sedona, Tempe, Arizona area, all around those 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 cities in October of 1983 for a budget of $2 million. So that's a that's a good solid round number for a Canon film. Uh went on for a worldwide gross of $7.6 million. So, you know, I'd say they probably made a little bit of dough off of it. Yeah. Although, you know, not huge by any standard, but still pretty good for them. As usual when we have it, I I'll read it. I actually have the top 10 in the box office that weekend, the weekend of September 14th through the 16th, 1984. And this is an interesting one. I think, I think you guys are going to like this one. Uh, number 10 and it's opening week exterminator two. Oh, nice. Oh, oh nice. Yes. That's another one. Another cannon. Yeah. <laughs> number nine and it's 15th week gremlins. Nice. Number eight and it's six week red dawn. Mm. Oh Yeah. Number seven, <laughs> Ninja Three: The Domination, in its opening weekend, made one point seven million dollars. So, that's right. Ninja Three beat Gremlins in the box office. At least one. At least one <laughs> uh, it happened. Uh, number six, Revenge of the Nerds. It was in its ninth week. Oh, nice. Number five, The Woman in Red. That was in its fifth week. Number four, in its thirteenth week, The Karate Kid. Number three. 1984 was a hell of a year. I'll tell yeah, you. No, there's it back, no doubt. Man. There's no doubt 1984 was some good times. Uh, and that's not, I mean, not to go on a tangent or anything, but that's a, that's a known thing that uh, you'll hear a lot. You'll hear a lot of references to 1984. Yeah, no Very doubt. Six. No question. And it continues here. Number three, Purple Rain in its eighth week. The, Pr the Prince classic. Number two, Tightrope. Now, I don't know how that one got stuck in here, but in its fifth week, Tightrope. <laughs> And number one in its 15th week, that's right, number one in its 15th week, Ghostbusters. 
it hadn't quite cracked. Classic. It hadn't quite cracked two hundred million dollars yet as of this particular Damn. weekend. But just that, listen to that: Gremlins, Revenge of the Nerds, Karate Kid, Purple Rain, Ghostbusters. It's like the eighties exploded in this top ten <laughs> all at one yeah. time. Uh, awesome. And that's just a small chunk of 1984. I mean, hell, you got the Terminator, which didn't come out in this time period, but came out in 1984. Yeah. Well, at least it didn't crack the top 10, but number 11, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It was in its 17th week. So Temple of Doom was still playing at this point. So, yeah, that man, if you were going to the theater, you know, probably seeing a movie for a couple bucks, you were living the high life <laughs> this particular weekend in 1984, man. You were you were getting a chance to see some classics on the big screen. So yeah, that, that was an awesome, uh, look back at the old box office snapshot. Of course, as mentioned and Austin mentioned it too, the reason that this is Ninja three, the domination is because Canon films, Ninja series, their Ninja trilogy, enter the Ninja came out in 1981 and then revenge of the Ninja in 1983. So that's why we arrive at Ninja three. Although it still is a weird choice because it's not like, it's not like even like, Revenge of the Ninja was part two, you know, like it's just weird to, maybe it's because, you know, sequels were a thing, you know, at that point. So fuck it. Let's jump on the train. Right. I guess, but I can't, I mean, I can't, I don't, I haven't looked into this part of it, but you know, the, the box office for this one was the least of those three Ninja movies, even though it made a profit, it didn't make enough of a profit for them to continue until they revamped things for American Ninja a few years later. But, but, Maybe it's because it was called Ninja Three that I, you know, and it, people didn't necessarily know they weren't in the know like yeah. you are now. Where you can just mm-hmm. go online and look up. Oh, oh, okay. And so Enter the Ninja, and Revenge of the Ninja. That's Ninja One and Ninja yeah. Two. Yeah, you know, like, people didn't know that necessarily back then. <laughs> it's a, it's a weird choice, and it had to have scared some people away. I mean, even though you know it did go on to make, like we said, seven and a half million dollars. I mean, which is fair for this type of movie and for canon at the time, but. It's still a weird choice. It seems like they could have cashed more into this. Let's just call it something ninja. You know, even, yeah. even if oh, it had yeah. just been called yeah. Ninja the Domination, drop the three, right? They yeah. probably would have sold a few extra tickets. I mean, I saw this in the theater when it came out, and I didn't even really know. That, I mean, I knew about Canon Films, and I'd already seen Ninja the Ninja and Revenge of the Ninja before I saw this one. But I didn't know the connection there until, you know, Show Kazugi pops up. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, well, I'll you know, being a Canon film fan back then and a Ninja movie fan didn't even know that this was necessarily the sequel to those in name, not necessarily in plot or anything. <laughs> but I just feel like if they had called it, yeah, something else, Ninja without the three in there, that they, maybe they would have made a little bit more in the box office. People would have realized that it, you know, it wasn't necessarily a sequel. Yeah, that it wasn't tied to anything else. You just come and enjoy a, a Ninja flick here in 1984, you know? <laughs> I, <laughs> I would, I would think, I mean, you know, ninjas being as popular as they were during that time period, right? Like it wouldn't have took much to salt to sell it, you know, just call it something ninja and move on, you know? Yeah, just like you said, ninja, the domination, that's I, ninja the, or, or that French TV title commando ninja. That would have, that definitely would have sold some tickets. I don't know. When did commando come out? The Schwarzenegger flick was that, a, that was around this time, right? Uh, so after that, yeah. so you would have beat Commando to the punch <laughs> if you'd have just called it Commando Ninja. That would have been awesome. Either way, <laughs> uh, it was directed by Sam Furstenberg, who you know, Canon Classic director. Uh, he he directed uh, the one before this, Revenge of the Ninja. He also directed Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo, American Ninja One and Two, 
Uh, in the nineties, you know, kind of post Canon, he did uh Delta force three. Uh, this film was written by James R silk or silky. It's got an E on the end. So I'm not sure how he pronounces it. Uh, but he had wrote revenge of the ninja, a couple other, uh, Canon flicks, Sahara, King Solomon's Mines. I believe that that music that we use for the Canon Chronicles uh, <laughs> opened for uh, Austin. I think that's from King Solomon's Mines or, or from yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the Alan Quartermain stuff, right? Uh, the movie star Sho Kazugi is Yamada. Uh, he would best be known from Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Pray for Death, a handful of others. But really, I mean, as, as far as like him being so popular with the Ninja movies, he only has like 19 acting credits on IMDb. And uh, at least what four or five of those are like uncredited roles. Uh, believe it or not, his yeah. his his very first uh, I found this kind of interesting. His very first role, which was uncredited, by the way, but his first acting gig was uh, passerby in coat with cat pulled down in The Godfather Part Two in 1974. So that's pretty cool. As as popular as he is, as far as like you know, thinking back on ninja movies, he really wasn't in a whole bunch. At least not as many as you would think, right? Yeah, I think that's just a testament to how popular ninjas were and it being, uh, well, in America, I mean, you know, ninjas, there've been ninja movies going back to the 60s in Japan yeah. just because of the culture. In America, it was Enter the Ninja that really broke through uh, and made ninjas popular here. And just based on that movie, Revenge of the Ninja, and this one, and of course, Nine Deaths of the Ninja, his popularity was so much that I remember I had a poster or multiple posters of Shokazuki on the wall that came from like the pages of... Uh, well, I can't remember the exact name. The martial, martial arts magazines back in the 80s were everywhere. And mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact names of them. But there was like a you know poster of Shokazugi in full ninja uniform doing like a flying sidekick. Or oh, uh, yeah. him with the, with the bow. I remember specifically he was holding the bow in like Revenge of the Ninja because he had the, the family crest on his ninja uniform. Mm-hmm. And he was pulling back a bow and drawing it with like this very stylized studio in the background with like, you know, fog and, and stuff coming out behind him. But yeah, this, I mean, just the popularity of those ninja movies that he was in in the 80s was huge. Uh, it also stars Lucinda Dickey as Christy. She would, uh, like Austin said earlier, she would best be known from her roles in uh, Breaking and Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. But she also had a role, a small role in Grease 2 uh, in years before that. But not much else, like, you know, a handful of other credits and then not, not much else past uh, Ninja 3 The Domination. So uh, she, I, I, she got married to uh, to someone that I think was like a, a producer, director, or something like that. So, something that, and that was in show business, I believe. And then she just kind of uh, went away, as far as like you know, being a actress in uh, in uh, TV and film. So uh, Jordan Bennett, yeah, the professional dancer, I believe, right? And that's how she got the role. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. she was one of like the solid gold dancers or something like that. You know, in the years before, and yeah. Yeah. Cannon was notorious for that kind of stuff too. Just kind of making a star out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they wanted to push her as the Cannon sort of, you know, just One of their leading the, lead actors for Cannon films or whatever at the time. Yeah. And, uh, which those else. three movies came out the same year, but breaking you know, well, breaking came out in 83. Right. That being said, I mean, you know, as far as Cannon is concerned, I mean, she's got a few high marking movies as far as like Cannon movies that people remember. You know the breaking, the breaking movies, and uh, this one, one or two others. So, you know, even though she didn't do it very long, she left a, a pretty good mark, especially on Canon Films. Uh, it also stars Jordan Bennett as Secord. Uh, basically, the dude had before, before and after really had done nothing but television. This was 
Yeah, I mean, he did a couple other movies, but this was pretty much it. Almost did he ever play Sasquatch? Though? I don't know. <laughs> Almost <laughs> everything else was television. Uh, David Chung as the Black Ninja. Uh, you may may or may not know that he was in Repo Man a handful of years before this, and he was also in Missing Missing in Action Two: The Beginning, which one of those weird out of order things that Canon did right with mm. the Missing in Action yeah. series, and of course. This movie has James Hong in it. <laughs> James <laughs> Hong is, is Miyashima. And he's only in it for, what, maybe five minutes of that? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like very that. Very brief. He's, he's not in it very long. Uh, he would probably best... I, if I had to guess, the one role that most people would probably remember him the best from would be his role in Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, you know, the oh, yeah. Carpenter flick. Yeah, that would... Mm. Yeah, instantaneously, uh, you'll know that, you know, if nothing else. He was a voice in uh, all the Kung Fu Panda series of movies and shows and everything. And, uh, most recently he was in the, uh, the movie that I think won best picture, right? Everything everywhere all at once. I know that it was at mm-hmm. least nominated. So yeah, like it was one yeah. of the big winners at the Oscars this past, this past go around. Uh, he was in that as well, but I can't remember exactly how old he is. He's got to be like 90 at this point, but he's still doing he stuff. Is, I think he's 93. Yeah, there you go. And, but on IMDb, this mofo, it's gotta be close to a record, N- not quite French horn level, right? <laughs> But James Hong has 452 acting credits on Damn. IMDb. I mean, the dude has done it all and then some twice. It's crazy <laughs> how much this guy has done. And and the scene that he pops up in, which we'll get to later, is perfect too. For I mean, for you know, in relation to fantasy, yeah, things such as uh, Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> it's time to refresh. For your convenience, we have an attractive refreshment stand with a parade of items to tempt your taste. Hot buttered popcorn, golden good and fresh from the popper, your favorite candies, wholesome and rich and full of flavor, ice cream and other good things to eat, plus ice cold Coca-Cola. So bright, so bracing, with a taste and tingle all its own. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So, like usual, went on over to Audible. And this time I just typed in Ninja because I figured there'd be nothing in particular to <laughs> Ninja 3, The Domination. And sure enough, we've got a good handful of things that popped up. We've got The Ninja, The History and Legacy of Feudal Japan's Secret Agents by Charles River Editors. Uh, that one's uh, just a little over an hour and a half long, so it's a pretty brief Listen, but still. Uh, Ninja Psychology 101. Learn how to train your mind to become invincible by Madison Taylor. That one's uh, longer than the other one. It's almost three and a half hours long. And then we have The Ninja's Blade, the Lily Wong series, book two. So there's at least two of these things by Tori Eldridge. And that one's a little over nine hours long. So uh, there's tons of uh, uh, results that come back. If you just type in the word ninja, I've got over 600 results. Well, oh, one one request I have to see. Let's see if this is on there. The Ninja, which is a novel by Eric Van Lustbader. It's now, fun. that novel is what Enter the Ninja was basically somewhat based on. So that'd be pretty cool if they have that on there, but I don't know if they do. Uh, just a cursory glance. I don't see it. Like, nothing's coming up with that parameter. But uh, It would have been a cool tie-in, but yeah, unfortunately, that one's a bit more obscure. Because I've never read it, but uh, I might have to now after... You know, after finding out that it's related to Enter the Ninja. <laughs> well, if any of that floats your boat, and like I said, there's, I say at least over 600 results just typing in the word Ninja. 
Uh, there's tons of uh, things there for you on Audible. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. So I'm going to hop on back over to IMDb and I'm going to click on plot summary to see what pops up. And Donnie, you're in luck. We we only have two, like the one sentence brief one. And then we've got one that's, you know, a small paragraph. Yeah. So it's not yeah I scoped those out earlier and uh, deleted oh, so, the, uh, Oh, so uh, you're the one, the, the three pager. Yeah. There was a longer one <laughs> submitted by Will on there that you, uh, that you must've deleted. No, did. <laughs> so we got the one sentence, an evil ninja attempts to avenge his death from beyond the grave by possessing an innocent woman's body. Pretty much accurate. But this one, we need a little bit more information than that. We just need a little bit more. So this one was submitted by Brian J. Wright on IMDb. The body of a sexy aerobics instructor is invaded by the evil spirit of a dying ninja. At first, changes in her behavior is limited to having strange interactions with an arcade game, doing sexy things with V8 juice, and being attracted (laughs) to an unusually hairy police officer. But soon enough, she's systematically killing ninja-style the officer's responsible for the ninja's death and can only be stopped by another ninja. <laughs> only a ninja can stop a ninja. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Apparently. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's the only way. We'll start there. How much horse shit is that? Right? Like, why would it take a ninja to stop a ninja? Well, I mean, we saw that, uh, you know, the black ninja at the, you know, just in the Tell beginning, her. he was I shot like- over a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit. Obviously, if you have a ninja with a gun, you know. Well, if it was a ninja with a gun, then this movie would have ended quickly, right? But that's the problem. (laughs) They were cops. They were just regular people with guns. They weren't ninjas. It it would have ended about the way that it did uh, Strike Commando 2 whenever he, Bruce Abbott, I think that was his name. No, Bruce, what was his name? I forget his name. Michael Rand. In uh, Strike Commando 2 when he came in and the ninja was, you know, swinging the sword around and he shot him, kind of like Indiana Jones movie that was ripping off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that's an allusion by the way to the latest in the video vortex series over on our youtube channel check it out today so anyways th- it it this movie really does start off i mean like it's batshit crazy pretty much from pillar to post but it really does start off just crazy because it's like dude goes into a cave and picks up a sword yes and a nicely very 80s well-lit treasure chest type thing backlit from behind yeah. with the you know shurikens and sword and everything nicely laid out they had- yeah and the, <laughs> the cave had stairs <laughs> Like <laughs> beautifully carved yes, out stairs, concrete yeah. stairs, <laughs> not, not not like rock formation stairs, but well laid concrete stairs. <laughs> then he basically because he finds the sword, it's a katana, right? Whatever uh, that is, mm-hmm. magic. <laughs> He's instantly a ninja, the black ninja, who just goes out on a golf course nearby and just lays waste to everybody that moves out there. Now, did I miss it somewhere? <laughs> I doubt it. Did I miss it somewhere as to why he was targeting these people, specifically the guy on the golf cart? All they said, I think, at no, some point I heard they said a scientist or something, right? Yeah, they said that yeah. like it's 10 assassin, minutes but... after it happened. I was like, who's? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why? I don't know. Thing is, like, whenever, whenever I see, like, okay, you see, whenever you see more than four guys around a guy, like around like someone of importance, mm-hmm. I automatically think that those, I guess, cops or whatever, they're henchmen. Obviously, they're evil henchmen. Yeah. 
And this guy's dressed like a douchebag. <laughs> Clearly, he's a villain, right? You don't really know who to pull for here. Really, <laughs> you, if you think about it like, for a good portion of the movie. You don't. You don't. <laughs> you don't know whether even when uh, Shokasu, uh, Kazugi's character Yamada, when he shows up later, you don't really know whether to pull for the guy or not. Like, you eventually put it together like he's got good, I guess, good intentions, right? But yeah, <laughs> you don't really know that for a while. Like, you got no rooting interest. You know that something funky's happening to Christy, but. You know, she turns evil off and on, right? So it's really not much of a, a a hero or a heroine to speak of until a little bit later on. But I love the crushing the golf ball. <laughs> that was clearly just a fucking <laughs> egg. Yeah, there, yeah. There's there's something about crushing balls in this movie. Right? There's a, <laughs> the billiard ball. The billiard ball a little later on, and that's just a colored she egg. Cr- I mean, they were clearly eggs. Like. <laughs> Because the consistency <laughs> of when it's like, Pee, and then like powder comes out, but the what crack- was it like? Pee. But the cracking <laughs> of it, it's just, it's clearly an egg. If only they had more CGI, right, Smoke? That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this would have made it so much better. No. <laughs> then we no, actually, at the end of the movie, we do get to some of what was, you know, not CGI, of course, because that wasn't around just yet. Well, I mean, unless you count Tron or whatever, but. But uh, the visual effects style of the day, right, which is animation. Oh, God, yeah. It would have looked <laughs> Drawing hand, hand-drawn animation on the And I think you did get a stuff. little bit of that here, maybe on some level, right, when a couple of the electricity magic type parts of the movie yeah, happen, yeah. you get definitely, a little bit of that. Maybe during the James Hong scene and definitely yeah. at the end of the movie, whenever the possession, you know, well, we'll get to that point. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the end of the movie. The culmination of it, there were some visual effects there with uh, involving, I guess, ninja, ninja spirits. <laughs> we might have still, if they had CGI, we might have still got some of these scenes, but they wouldn't have looked as cool as the as they did in this movie, such as when he punches a hole through the roof of the cop car. <laughs> like oh, he yeah. shoots the one. Didn't he? No, not he shoot. He stuck a sword. He stuck a sword yeah, he through. He stuck it. a sword. Yeah, took the, the first guy. Shoots then, through the roof with a shotgun, right? Yeah. First, I think yeah, and then he, he, shoot kinda, him and he ducks him. And misses him. No, he <laughs> he didn't miss him. He ducked it. He ducked how? Because <laughs> he's like, Hoo! he goes back and then pow, <laughs> how? He stabs him and through the roof, the board, and, then, right? and then the yeah. guy driving punches him through the roof. <laughs> the best part is right after that, though, when. I don't think he technically did, but it looked like he kicked that cop car into a pond because he's <laughs> he swung off the tree and kind of like you know hey yeah and <laughs> and then the the car just launches into a pond. I mean it it didn't just like go off the bank and into the water. It launched off Dukes of Hazard style. Oh yeah, yeah. Into a pond because he, he kicked it because he swung out and kicked it is what it looked like. Like this motherfucker is punching holes to the roof of a car and kicked a car into a pond. <laughs> at some point, they they yell for a ten twenty ten twenty at, at municipal golf course or whatever. Is ten twenty code for ninja at a golf course? <laughs> now you know. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need to uh, speak to somebody that has some uh, uh, some ten code experience here to tell us what uh, what the code is for a ninja at a golf course. You say ninja, and I say, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> uh, Somewhat using the words of uh, what's his name in the movie? Uh, love interest. C chord. Cop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, then the cops Crazy. surround him. 
the cops around, they finally have him cornered and like what five or six cops, they just unload on him. Like, yeah, this is actually shotguns. after the chopper fight. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I forgot they, about that. Yeah. Cause he, I guess he jumps on top of a police chopper. Um, and then kind of finagles his way around the chopper. Yeah. I guess like underneath. And then, uh, he takes a, um, uh, ninja star and puts it in between his shoes and his toes. But he, I guess he, I don't know. He, <laughs> I love the eight, the chopper going down eighties movie TV style too, where it's like the chopper's going down and just going side to side. And then it goes over a hill and then there's an explosion. <laughs> yeah. So they're not blowing anything up other than, you know, just w- whatever the hell they did to make that, some fireworks to make the explosion. Yeah. But, uh, the chopper landed safely on the other side of the hill. You just didn't see it. <laughs> that chopper fight was hilarious. But when the cops surround him and then they just blast him with the pistols and the shotguns and they just unload on him and he's just, ah, ooh, <laughs> ah, ooh. I mean, they shoot him, like you said, at least a hundred times. I mean, they just fill him full of lead and he keeps getting up. <laughs> Did you notice that one of the cops and, you know, you see him take, you know, uh, later here in a minute, he, there is revenge taken on these cops for doing this. Yeah. By the way, the cops are really, are they the bad guys? I mean, they were doing their job at that point, right? Yeah. 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 See, this is part of the plot line that I don't know if they just like (laughs) asked it because like, who cares, you know, about the plot at this point? Like, yeah, but it must've been something in there with him. He's a ninja. So he's an assassin. That's what ninjas were. So he was there to, I don't know, assassinate the scientists, whatever the case, and then all the cops get called out. And then because they attempted to kill him and they end up, you know, as we get to it, do kill him. And then he takes his revenge through, you know, well, yeah, we'll the, get to the, that. Yeah, the, takes his revenge the way that he does. The supernatural you know, means. Go ahead. Through the supernatural means. But, yeah, like you, like you were getting to, like, why the hell would they be considered the bad guy in the sense of, like, this dude just went on a murderous rampage at a golf course. This is exactly what the cops would do. They would, they would maybe not, you know, shoot him a hundred times, but they would, they would probably shoot him. Yeah, I mean, if he kept getting up, I guess they'd have to shoot him a hundred times. But I guess, <laughs> like this I guess, movie, but I guess there's some validity yeah. to that. But did you notice that one of the cops that he gets revenge on a little bit later on, or there is revenge taken out on uh, the one they called Case? It's 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 mm. the fucking dude that played Mister Ockmonic and Alf. <laughs> <laughs> The next, oh, door, the next door neighbor, Trevor Ockmonic. As soon as I oh, said, like, it, it was very brief too, where he's like, huh? And he turns around. I'm like, holy shit, it's Mr. Ockmonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those motorcycle cops was uh, Robbie Knievel, Evil Knievel's son. Oh, really? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't it was. Yeah, Robbie Knievel passed awesome. this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, way, way to bring it down there, Donnie. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. By the way, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a fun cameo. He's dead. Oh. oh. Even though he's been shot a thousand times, he is still uh, has the wherewithal to get up and leave. And he lives just long enough to find Christy. By the way, Christy is like a, what is she, like a line line worker, like up on the telephone poles and yeah. the, the electrical yeah. wires and all that telephone line she, worker. She sees yeah. him. She comes down and then like he lives long enough to give her the sword. Basically, I guess possessing her, right? Like there's magic in the sword. Take yep. it kind of thing. And then eventually, yeah, you know, passed his, his spirit through the sword to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't long after this that we get, uh, where, you know, you, you, you go to Christie's apartment and you see a little bit of her life 
as she goes to <laughs> her aerobics class. Now, I, I read that in that description on IMDb that she was an aerobics instructor. Did I miss the part where she was an instructor? I just figured that, like, that was her class. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that doesn't was, matter. Uh, well, no, like, well, I mean, I during the scene. Yeah. Yeah, during the scene, you see her, like, kind of instructing people. Okay. And just Maybe I just missed. Whatever. I just figured she was there doing the aerobics 80 style. Because I guess, you know what? I was preoccupied. That's what the problem. Because the song, uh, yeah. because mm. the song that was playing during this scene. Which the, was? Is the same damn song from Hot Chili, Body Shop. Body Shop, yeah. I had, you know to, I had to stop the movie at this point, and I had to collect myself. Because I really didn't think I'd have to, we'd have too many direct connections to Hot Chili. And I recognized it immediately from Hot Chili because... The, the asininity of that movie, <laughs> if that's a word. I don't know, but yeah. Good that's enough. the first time Close I've heard enough. it. It's that movie, yeah. When we did that episode and I put that <laughs> I put that together and I selected the uh the the music, you know, we often put the music at the beginning of the movies or the episodes from a movie. That was the selection of mu- music that I pulled from Hot Chili to open up that episode. So if you go back to Whatever number episode that was last summer during Camp Spook Show, the Hot Chili episode. I don't encourage it, but if you're going to do have anything to do with Hot Chili, go listen to our episode. Don't watch the movie. Don't don't do it. <laughs> but if you're going to, you'll hear that that the song uh, Body Shop right off the top. I had to stop oh, the movie. Well, it's and then I pop up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, probably. But I I I had to stop the movie collect myself and then I message you guys like fucking body shops in this movie. <laughs> that was right when it happened uh, and then and then I got back to it. But yeah. Hot chili. It's the movie that won't die here on Cannon Fodder. Mm. It comes up one way or another. How about when she leaves her aerobics class <laughs> and she gets jumped by like <laughs> five or six like fucking bodybuilders outside. And then there's a crowd of people around that don't do a fucking thing. Like they just, they just. Stand. Including, there's like the forty of them. Yeah, yeah, and cops. There's at least one cop right. The C Corps guys there, and the they're C-Cord just watching because he had like pursued her from earlier, which you know. Yeah. <laughs> when she was at the police He's station creeping. talking about the, uh, the the dying ninja. <laughs> He's been creeping on her, so he's there yeah. and doesn't lift a fucking finger. No, really, nobody does. Like because she comes out of the class, some girls practically about to be raped <laughs> by these dudes. No these one dudes, does anything. Bodybuilders that were in the gym watching, <laughs> watching the aerobics class earlier in the scene. Nobody does a fucking thing. Like, Hey, stop. Not even that, you know, like, except Christy, she jumps in and like, now she's got these new possessed ninja skills. Right. So she puts a couple of moves on them and puts them down. But yeah, I just thought that was awesome that nobody did a damn thing as two women get, jumped outside of an aerobics <laughs> class and and it's not like two or three people are watching there's like a crowd of 25 people standing there and then when she kicks their ass don't they start clapping <laughs> yeah, yeah oh that's good yeah yeah we, we couldn't help but that was impressive <laughs> mentioned it a second ago how about her apartment <laughs> the arcade, oh my god the, the arcade cabinet bouncer <laughs> the, yeah yeah you know that game, i didn't look that game up because when I saw it again pop up, I'm like, I've never heard of a bouncer game. Maybe they just made it up for the movie because it plays a prominent role mm-hmm. during a certain possession scene where it's like shifting towards her and lights yeah, coming yeah. out of it and all that, you know, reflecting off her face and everything. So I'm like, well, maybe they just made this name up because 
it's not, you know, it's a prominent role, and they don't want to have like Pac Man like mm-hmm. possessing. But I, apparently, it's a prototype of a. Oh, okay, I was about to say uh, I'd never it, heard of it. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was. It wasn't widely released. It was released, just not. It wasn't. You know, insanely popular. So I guess they pulled it. And that, and not too long after that, is when the bouncer machine or video arcade cabinet uh, scene happens, where like <laughs> it takes possession. I, I don't understand. I mean, well, I don't understand a lot of stuff about this movie, but <laughs> what the the arcade cabinet had to do with anything, you know? It's like, all I think sudden, it was just a visual effect. It was. That, uh, it was. Okay. It basically poltergeist elements, you know, because I think. I mentioned this, and I'm not the only one. I didn't even realize how many people had also made the same correlation of, you know, I mean, not that it's that hard to make this correlation, but between Exorcist, Poltergeist, and uh, Flashdance, basically, and then yep. Ninjas thrown into the mix is basically kind of what the yeah. <laughs> the con- yeah, yeah, Austin mentioned that. Yeah. It was yeah, and, Austin mentioned too. <laughs> there's like her apartment is just decorated all sorts of crazy. It's like an old Daryl's restaurant where you get like, it's like a, T- it's like a TGI Fridays in there. Yeah. There's a it goddamn look- tuba hanging off the wall. Yeah. It almost looks like a, you know, fucking cracker barrel in there. You know, it's just so randomly. She's got a payphone she- in her apartment. Like why? She, li- she lives in an eighties music video. Like that apartment <laughs> is a fucking music video. <laughs> and I, I don't say how many people actually could afford to have an arcade cabinet in their house in 1984. Oh, yeah. You know, like that would have been expensive. Yeah. I would, I would imagine. Well, shit, we saw it on Silver Spoons. Yeah, but at least the premise there was the guy was rich, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, I guess this was Phoenix. You know, a, <laughs> oh, an apartment Phoenix. in so Phoenix. She, so she's Phoenix rich in 1984. Is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> You know, she can afford that on her, uh, you know, her uh, lineman. Yeah, she can afford salary that, that bouncer cabinet fly. and the fucking tuba on the wall, but she's rolling. <laughs> oh, and how about the ninja sword too? That comes out of the, you know, she she's got the ninja sword stored up in the closet. In that possession scene, she's walking into the closet, and like the sword takes itself out of the scabbard, then turns itself upright, and there's like she backs out of the closet, and meanwhile, all the eighties style lights are going off and everything, and the sword is very obviously dangling from a string. Oh yeah, it's yeah, being, yeah, you know. <laughs> in front of her <laughs> that's that was there's some ghostbuster uh uh ties oh, there yeah right? like, that's a guy with a fishing like, pole like Dana, <laughs> yeah scene. it's very very similar although these movies were well i mean i guess this came out a little bit after ghostbusters but they were playing at the same time like we said in the top 10 so i wouldn't think True. there'd be i wouldn't think there'd be much uh much of a chance there for them to have copied that, but it's very coincidental, right? Yeah, I think it's a coincidental, but I think they were like going for the exorcist, you know, because yeah, of the demonic right. yeah, position by the ninja thing. I think that, without all the, you know, effects that they used on Linda Blair necessarily, but just using makeup to make her face a little bit more, what, pale and like yeah, crack I mean, a little bit or whatever it was, you know. So. For this not to be a, a horror, technically, there are a lot of horror elements to it, though. You know, so oh, yeah. I think that just adds to the wackiness of it all. How about when she finally she's possessed and she finally starts taking revenge on the the cops, Mister Akmonic? <laughs> I mean, Case. How does she kill him? I'm still trying to figure that one out because it basically looks like she just tossed him out of a window and then he died. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, maybe he landed on his spine on the back of his neck or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it seemed very. Uh, 
Very uh, anticlimactic death for him. Yeah, he's just like, I mean, she goes in there, you know, kicks him around a little bit and then tosses him to the window and he's, he's just dead. So maybe he landed on a shard of glass. I don't know. <laughs> the hot tub kill scene. That that was the next cop that she got yeah. the uh, revenge on. That whole scene from the police station, right? Because she's, uh, you know, at the police station, the cops coming out with the two girls, which you assume, I don't know, what are they, prostitutes? Yeah, what the hell is like, that about? Been arrested or something, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Like, it's, that was weird, too. Like, he's like, come on, baby, I got something to show to you. And he's got two <laughs> ladies that clearly want to go with him. And then <laughs> they go into the, the happy spa down the street or whatever the fuck, and then they're in a hot tub. She comes in with towels, right? Like, she's yeah. uh, working for the place. She comes in in a robe and then with extra towels, and one of the girls lets her in, like, Oh yeah, okay, cool. Come on in. We could use more towels or whatever. And then she, <laughs> yeah. then she comes towards the jacuzzi thing or whatever, and then drops a robe. And uh, what does he say? The cop is like, I don't even remember what the line exactly. was. But he he welcomes it like, yeah, come on, baby. And then it's yeah. like, you fucking bitch. You know, <laughs> they just kind of slide over yeah. to the side. But <laughs> the other two girls were more than more than happy to go with the cop into the pool together as a threesome or whatever. But you know, here comes the fourth one. They're like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but how she kills how she kills them all though like she's got like a ring oh yeah <laughs> she's got like a yeah, ring like, that I, like has a needle on it or something. is it poison i mean i guess <laughs> you kind of have to put that together but she just kind of pricks him on the neck and then yeah. like he just kind of slumps yeah. over it's so true i mean you know if there were if there were no poison on it then obviously it's not you know you would it's not yeah, kill exactly. somebody but they didn't go out of the way to show her like dipping it in anything or no no but no, you assume i guess poison laced or something I guess the assumption because in, in the eighties was like, well, ninjas have poison to everything, so fuck it, it's poison. Yeah, poison but then dark. she slashes that one one of the girls across the the neck, sla- you know, yeah. neck chest area, whatever, with that with the ring, just like yeah. a Freddy I, style or something. I guess the poison then, once again it takes her out. Yeah, <laughs> and then like yeah, chokes the strangles the other girl right, mm-hmm. leaves all three of them in the jacuzzi and leaves. I like when the uh, the cops are like investigating the scene later. And, uh, no, I think it's when, uh, uh, Yamada, you know, Kazugi's character comes in and she, they're still floating in the hot tub and then he, uh, there's blood on her chest. He just goes over and like, (laughs) like does the finger thing. Like, but it didn't go, you notice like the blood didn't dissipate in the water or anything. It's still perfectly there like (laughs) on her chest. (laughs) You would think, I don't know what the point of that was, you know, cause a lot lot of times when somebody finds something that's like blood usually you know when they go to do the finger thing is because even though this is pretty gross too and nobody's gonna do it, like it's it's laying on the ground somewhere and they want to see if it's blood so they like put it there and they taste it or whatever i mean yeah or yeah, but it's something in the jacuzzi and it's a slash across the chest so obviously it's blood <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty obvious what this is i don't know why he touched had to touch it and look at it like yep that was blood all right <laughs> maybe it was to like you know that that moment of like oh yeah that is poison you know i guess it's kind of what they were going for but Whatever. It's not so, like yeah. it was a, yeah, kind of I thought he was going to taste it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. shit, that's blood. <laughs> <laughs> so she eventually goes, Secord takes her to this, to this, uh, that's where James Hong comes in. Uh, he, what is he, I guess, kind of like a, a, a I don't spiritualist? Even know what, yeah, I guess. Any spiritualist? Something like that. Yeah. Basically, like, help me out. I think she's possessed or something. So, like, they tie her up, and then, of course, she goes, like, full demon mode. I love the part where she's uh, tied up in between the pillars and then she starts cutting flips. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was hilarious. Things too, right? Between I forget what the exact lines are that she says. She says a few things though when she stops finally or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently though, there was a scene in there where her head was supposed to spin around all Exorcist style, and it was cut out by the MPAA. Or I mean, the MPAA. They submitted it to the MPAA, and it would have gotten X rating with that scene. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know whether there was gore involved with that. I mean, I you would think about somebody's head spinning around like the Exorcist wouldn't be a reason to slap it with an X, but I mean, I guess it would just depend uh-huh. on, like you said, the amount of gore that, how, how did they do it? You know, I guess that's the question. Then it's somewhere in here where you get the, uh, the classic line, like I think maybe right after this or during this, where they say only a ninja can destroy a ninja. Oh yeah. And there's different variations of it. I think in here, like, I mean, I know in the revenge of the ninja it was only a ninja can stop a ninja. And this one, it was only a ninja can kill a ninja. I don't know. Right. <laughs> they use it's the same can... thing, basically just a little bit yeah. of word variation. Only a ninja can destroy a ninja. How about yeah. when Yamada finally shows up on the scene and like he's going to the morgue or whatever and he's just beating the shit out of everybody and then those two guys, orderlies, doctors, whatever they are in the morgue, um, yeah. he just like, come here with his finger and then yeah. they walk up and he just bonks their head together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, was, you know his, uh, his eye patch, you know, because he has an eye patch, uh, um, his eye patch looks like a uh, looks like a uh, like a blade guard on a sword. It is. I think it was. I think I did read something like that. It was a katana guard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, patch. shit. That looks like a you know like the the blade guard. It has to just be for effect, right? Like it looks kind of cool. It's different. Yeah. How about a how about a nice cool glass of V eight, Donnie? No, no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> That has Good. to be one of the most unsexy things I've ever seen. It's like, yeah, tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the fact that she's a health nut or whatever, I guess, and that uh, I don't know when Nine and a Half Weeks came out, but the whole food and sex thing. <laughs> she, re- she really, well, turned, you know, t- to back up from where we were there in the movie, she really turned on a dime with him, right? Like, for the <laughs> longest part of the movie, she's like, fuck off, cop. And then yeah. out of nowhere, she's just like, well, come back to my place. And then she gets naked and pours V8 juice down her chest. Like, <laughs> it happens real quick. I was like, damn. Yeah. I mean, he basically that's all turned it takes. around. He was going to drop her off in the car, right? He finally had enough. Uh, he's been pursuing her the whole time. And then she, you know, she's like, just let, stop here. Let me, because, oh, okay. Well, screw it. Then get the hell out or whatever. And then, she, then that's when she kind of like, well, well I do know, need a ride. I yeah. do have some pain juice back in my apartment. <laughs> V8. <laughs> Of all the things to try to be sexy with, it's like, uh. like, come on, man. And then like, he's like, oh yeah, hell yeah. And then like, you know, jump pounces her and starts licking the V8 off her chest. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. You sounded like a Kool-Aid man. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's what, C-Cord, that's what C-Cord sounded like. What? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> now, speaking of C-Cord, after he sees her possessed, you know, when they go to this witch doctor, whatever the fuck that guy was. Why the fuck would he leave her alone ever again? Like you have seen her, you know, at her worst. Yeah, basically, she's been possessed by a demon, and there's no question about it. Uh, I gotta go do some shit. <laughs> he just leaves her to, you know, go about her own devices at that point. That didn't make that didn't make much sense. Uh, maybe it's part of the cutting room floor. Like there's something in there that explains a little better as to why. And he, he, he basically doesn't, he really goes off and doesn't do much. I mean, he kind of does a little bit more detective work, but it's not like there was any particular reason that you saw that he would leave her. But of course <laughs> he goes to a funeral 
Now this is the funeral for the the jacuzzi cop, right? I assume. I don't remember them ever saying yeah. wh- whose funeral it was, but I assume it was his, right? She gets possessed by the black ninja again. <laughs> she climbs up on top of a tree and starts taking dudes out with a bow and arrow. <laughs> Same thing too. Like they're just shooting blindly and not hitting a damn thing. Yeah, they're like pointing at like I don't know. It's like okay, so we can see that the um, like she's basically up in the trees and she is pointing directly you know in front of her and shooting the arrows i guess it was what was the the guy uh sergeant i think pickwitty or whatever the fuck his yeah. name was pickwittle okay anyway uh black guy with a scar yeah uh, so um he just grabs somebody's gun and starts shooting in random directions yes. it was like he was playing duck hunt <laughs> And he's not good at it. No, he's just. <laughs> the dog was coming up laughing at him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what that was. <clears throat> uh, but basically you get towards the end now. Cause like Yamada uh, manages, he takes the body, right? The, the original body that was shot up a thousand times earlier in the movie. Yeah. Um, he takes the body to like the, this, uh, <laughs> I think they even called it, you know, go to the old temple on the hill. Like everybody knows <laughs> where this fucking place is. Go to the old temple on the hill. Uh, he takes the body there. That brings her there, basically bring the spirit back into the body, like through some uh, some martial arts. Like he, he kicks its ass back into the body. Uh, then he has the knockdown drag out fight with the original Black Ninja and the, the zombie ninja. <laughs> uh, Christy is still like, I want. I, meanwhile, she could have just went home. She's done now, but no, she still wants to be involved. She takes the sword and stabs the zombie ninja. And then in one of the better scenes of the movie, he drills himself into the ground. <laughs> He's just like, Ugh. and then starts spinning and, and drills himself underground. Cracking up cra- like an earthquake, like a minor earthquake or something cracks open the ground. And then Yamato's like hanging on for dear, dear life. Meanwhile, it looks like if he just let go, he'd fall two two feet. Like there's ground there. It's not like it's a bottomless pit that opened up. It's just like a, a six foot chasm opened up. <laughs> he could easily land on his feet, but he's like hanging on for dear life. Uh, but he gets up. Yamada stabs the black ninja in the head with the sword. Black ninja disappears. Literally like thumbs up. See ya. The end. <laughs> That's it. You know, as far as ninja deaths go, that's that pretty cool. You know, he disappears now. Wait till we get to Ninja Terminator. I may have seen. I may have sent y'all the collusion of that movie, but uh, let's just say there's some exploding ninjas for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> he just disappears, but uh, he doesn't explode like the Ninja Terminator. We'll get to that at some point on the show. Too. I guess there were there really wasn't many other ways for this movie to end, right? <laughs> just well, fuck, just stab <laughs> him in the head and make him disappear. The end. But the <laughs> but the him drilling himself into the ground that was like what the what the <laughs> hell is what is going on here. Smoke, I'm going to let you have the pleasure. So I think you did nominate this, right, for the old wheel spin where we determine what this was. Yeah. I, don't, I think you did. So um, we'll let you have the pleasure of giving the star rating out first. So this is the canon. You're giving out cannonballs. This isn't star rating. My, I misspoke. So this is the canon scale, right? So uh, yeah. what do you say? Uh, well, this is classic canon. I mean, this is up there. You know, what we've talked about. We talked about this before, too. Or we need to. 
pull back and start doing some of the lesser canon films before we run out of all the really good ones. This is one of those really good ones, but it's it's bonkers. It's all over the place, like we talked about. But there's something about it that's just, you know, of course, it's very 80s. It's very, you know, it's got the ninja element. It's got all these other things thrown in the blender that we mentioned as well and that Austin mentioned, you know, Exorcist, Poltergeist, Flashdance. You name it, it's in here pretty much. I also agree 100% with Austin that uh, Revenge of the Ninja would also be my favorite one of these three of the Ninja trilogy. Also, that being said, that, that this is still equally, I think, it's kind of like what he was saying. You, if you could give, he, he gave it at Shurikens, you know, because of the Ninja. But uh, if you could give this one a certain amount, like five, then Revenge of the Ninja should get 10. Or, or you know, you know, he made it more like 270 Shurikens versus, you know, out of a five scale uh, five shuriken scale or whatever. <laughs> I pretty much agree with that. That's like I, I can't go back and give this anything less though, just because I like Revenge of the Ninja more. And once we get to that, I mean that's gonna be a fun one to cover too. I can't give this less than five cannonballs. I think just because of how shit, batshit crazy it is as a cannon film, as a ninja movie, as just you know just everything in the kitchen sink is in here. So, uh, I'll have to go with five cannonballs, even though. Revenge of the Ninja is still my favorite of the trilogy. Once we get to that, we'll see why I like that one more. But uh, but yeah, five cannonballs. Uh, myself, I, I, I'm going to agree. Uh, just because it's 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 so out there, it's so nutty, you know. But it's a lot of fun. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense, and the acting is shit for the most part. <laughs> but you know, on the canon scale, I mean, it's one that I would definitely like. I would watch this again easily. You know, like. It's like you've said before, yeah. Smug. It's one of those kind of movies you want to show to people. Like, sit down. You got to watch this shit. You know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those kind of movies. So, yeah, I got to go five cannonballs. So, Donnie, what do you say? Yeah, I'm gonna go a little bit less than you guys. Just a little bit. Not not too not too much. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's ridiculous. But that that's also what makes it fun. Um, but also on the canon scale, I can't say I like this any more than um, you know. Uh, Fuck, I don't. I mean, I'm. I, I will because t- I have it in front of me now. You gave out a five for over the top and missing an action. Mm, Those are yeah. your fives. So that's, yeah, well, that's your that's your scale, right? That's your tops. So, yeah, 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 that's my top. Yeah, this is this is not there, but it's close. Um, I'm gonna say four cannonballs. Okay. It's up there. Yeah. I would absolutely watch this again. This is actually the first time I watched it. Same here. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, to me, it just doesn't hit those. Um, it doesn't hit my peak uh, specifically, well, but know, it's awesome. For the most part, that means we're going to average out like a high four point something, you know, without doing the math uh, and without having wheels, adding in Austin's, what did you say, 200 and something star <laughs> cannonballs or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, for, for there, as far as we're concerned, we'll leave it there. Uh, we do have uh, 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 cannon connections with Donnie. We'll do that in just a second. But before I do that, the usual aggregates, IMDb, it gets 5.4 out of 10 stars. It's got a meta score of 25. That's out of 100. So this is Rotten Tomatoes, though. I was kind of surprised by this. The tomato meter, 40%. And the audience score, 54%. I just I just knew this was going to be low, especially on the tomato meter. But I thought 40% was pretty damn good. You know, I think with these kind of movies, you have to kind of like you don't compare these to real movies. You know what I mean? It's like, this is just one of those like crazy, have fun popcorn flick type of movies mm. in a lot of ways, you know? <laughs> so like you don't compare this to, to, to real cinema, so to speak. So if you're just in for some, you, you want some good laughs and a good time 
with a, a cheesy 80s action flick with a lot of weird genre mixing going on, then this is the one for you. Um, yeah, before we leave this one entirely in the dust. Canon Connections. Donnie? All right. So uh, basically with Canon Connections, you know, we uh, uh, connect the current uh, Canon movie uh, episode by any cast and crew uh, connections and to past Spook Show episodes. And for uh, Ninja 3, The Domination, um, on the cast side, you know, obviously we, we mentioned James Hong, who plays um, uh, Miyashima. Um he was also in a past Spook Show episode, uh, missing in action. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and also I was a just lesser... about to say I thought this was the first James Hall no. movie, but you're you're right. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was a missing uh, missing in action. And ironically, um, Cannon, right? Yep, yep, yeah. And there's also a uh, lesser known uh, actor who is actually in more uh, more of our episodes. Um, he's uh, Robert Hammond, um, he plays a policeman here. You know, there's there's a slew of them, but um, plays a policeman in um, uh, Ninja Three. Um, but he's also uh, he was also a, a stuntman as well. Um, but on the act on the acting side, um, he was in The Howling, Hellraiser Three, and Invasion USA, another canon film. Um, so that's the cast side and, um, on the crew side, remember I, I said I had a, um, I thought I had a little Easter egg before we, uh, um, started recording. Uh, um, so makeup effects, uh, crew member Joe Quinlevin. Um, he was, he was also, uh, makeup effects for, uh, Invasion USA and as well as X-Ray or Hospital Massacre. The mm-hmm. reason I say this is because uh, just before the scene in the morgue where uh, Yamada uh, pops up on top of the building, uh, he pops up in front of a sign that says X-Ray. Huh. I don't know if that, that may be a coincidence. It may not be, but obviously that, you know, it was the morgue. It wasn't a, you know... Uh, it wasn't an X-ray, you know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Could be. could be a could be a nice little Easter egg nod to uh, Hospital Massacre. There, you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, X-ray or Hospital Massacre, whatever yeah, you know yeah. it as. Either way. Yep. Well, if not, that was some coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I I like to think that it's probably more coincidence. I, I don't know if they yeah, got the, <laughs> probably. I don't know uh, if they got that much cleverness in them, but who knows? You never know. You never know. <laughs> Well, there we go. That's that's uh that's how we kick off the month of May here. And it, also, this is going to be the last cannon fodder. Just a, a, a programming note, so to speak. Cannon fodder is going to go on hiatus for a little bit because we've got our summer series about to start. It, it kicks off with a preview episode on Memorial Day, May 29th, episode 162. But uh, the following week will be our first movie selection of the Spook Show Summer Disaster. Now, we've already announced this. We've been talking about it here mm-hmm. uh, over on YouTube, and we just talked about it uh, uh, a couple weeks ago on our Spook Show Spotlight of Sam Raimi. But I uh, just wanted to let you know that uh, basically we couldn't find any movies in particular without really digging in deep into the canon catalog that kind of fit what we wanted to do with the theme of the Spook Show Summer Disaster. So we just kind of decided to to be able to slide a couple other movies in 
We're just going to put cannon fodder on hiatus for the summer, but it will return. It's not going away. We're going to bring it back uh, in September. Right now we have it slated as our Labor Day episode, episode 176. I know that's far, far away, but if you listen to these and you're just a big fan of our cannon fodder series, it's going to be a minute before we come back to it. So just a reminder, uh, you want to stick around in September for our next cannon fodder, but you definitely don't want to miss the Spook Show Summer Disaster Series this summer. But before we even get there, we got some other stuff. Uh, we got some bumps in the road before we hit the, the full-on disaster mode. And starting next week, episode 159, we're going to be watching Mother's Boys from 1993, the, uh, the thriller with uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. I've never seen this. I don't even remember hearing anything about it. But we decided to pull it because we, we, we nominated a few just amongst ourselves and we did a wheel spin of some movies that fit the criteria for Mother's Day. Now, I know it's, it's a little premature for Mother's Day, but it comes out basically the Monday before Mother's Day. So it'll be out May 8th and Mother's Day is on May 14th, that, that following Sunday. So we decided instead of you know celebrating Mother's Day after Mother's Day, we would hit beforehand with Mother's Boys. So th- this ought to be interesting. Um, I'll read you the uh, brief IMDb synopsis. Jude Madigan abandons her husband, Robert, and her three sons without any explanation. Three years later, Jude inexplicably returns to reunite her family. There's a little bit more there, but I'm going to stop there because it might get into spoiler territory. So uh, I've never seen it. I don't think any of us have, really. This might be a first-time watch for all of us, right? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have not. I'm... So we'll find out next week whether Mother's Boys is worth uh, worth our time or not. I, I got a strong feeling it's probably not. But, hey, you never know. You never know. Judge a book by its cover, right? You never know. So that's what we got coming up next week. And then, you know, a couple weeks following that, we'll be uh, cranking up the Spook Show Summer Disaster. So you don't want to miss a thing. Go over to aaspookshow.com for all of our YouTube stuff, Patreon stuff, any latest information, and uh, stick to our socials and everything. So we appreciate you listening. For Will, who couldn't be with us, he's on assignment. Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week for Mother's Boys. Please replace the speaker on its rack when you're ready to leave. Failure to do so will damage both the speaker and your car. We'll be grateful, and so will the patrons who follow you.